I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 217. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. On spring break, my family and I went to the movies to see the film I Can Only Imagine. The title is based on the song by the same name by Mercy Me. It was an excellent film and has long been one of my favorite songs. And the song is hitting the charts again because of the movie, and I can't wait to use it to help us jump into scripture this week. So as we open the pages of God's Word, let's listen. Surrounded by your glory, one the Bible interaction tool exercise of exploring a topic last week, but I want to use it again this week. Now, these are just exercises I use. I call them BITES, B-I-T-E, Bible interaction tool exercise. They're just habits that I use to keep my time in God's word varied and kind of give me some direction sometimes. Okay. So when you sign up for my email list at michellenizat.com, I will send you a resource page with my top five bites. I think you'll really get some good use out of it. So our first bite this week is to explore a topic. And the topic that I want to explore is how people in scripture responded when they saw God face to face, okay? Because I can only imagine what it will be like, but I must get some clues based on responses of real people in scripture. It's not going to be a tidy discussion, however, because as you may be aware, God told Moses in Exodus 33 that no man can see the face of God and live. Uh, And then in Deuteronomy 34, it says, since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. And then in 1 Corinthians, it says, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. Referring to the time when all things are completely restored. But since we really can't know what we don't know, we have no idea what it will actually be like. So I I guess what I'm saying is, let's explore scripture, but it's okay to only imagine what it will be like to see our Father and our Savior face to face. And for those of you who want tidy answers, well, I would, you know, I would encourage you to lay that desire down. Nothing about God is tidy. He's God. He's tender and 
terrifying. He's peaceful and powerful. He's gentle and glorious. So yeah, it makes sense that we may stand or fall, uh, dance or be frozen. And yes, we're left with only our imagination of what it will be like. But I have a deep longing for that day, and I can't wait to explore scripture in light of that. So that brings me to the bite of considering the grand story of the Bible, or the meta-narrative, if you want to be really fancy today, because the Bible is not just a bunch of broken bits and pieces. It's one unfolding story. Albert Walters writes, when the Bible is broken up into little bits and chunks, theological, devotional, spiritual, moral, or worldview bits and chunks, then these bits can be nicely fitted into the reigning story of our own culture with all its idols. Ouch. What he's saying here is that when we take the sword of the spirit, the word of God, our offensive weapon in the armor of God, and we only break it into bits, it's no longer a weapon that can defeat the secular story. It gets absorbed into it instead. But when we take the whole of scripture, it's a sharp, double-edged weapon. So while, of course, it's necessary to study in smaller chunks of scripture, I mean, even reading 45 minutes a day, it will take you four months to read the entire Bible clear through. It's good to link back to the grand story. So let's consider Act 1 of this grand narrative, shall we? God creates everything and proclaims that it is good. And we humans are created in his image and we walk with him in perfect relationship. In Act 1, if you go to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we have face-to-face communion with God. And so in in verse 7 of chapter 2, it says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And then in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 3, we see that the man and his wife were walking with the Lord. It says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from him. That's when they hid from him. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? They had a relationship. So when you read all three chapters in one sitting, there's every indication that God communicated with man face to face. Creator and created. Our special and set apart uh, relationship with the very breath of God within us. And so when our song declares, I can only imagine what it will be like. Here we see what it was created like. You know, a, a walk in the garden in the cool of the day sort of relationship with God. Uh, a man made in his image and given a job and a helpmate and a beautifully created paradise to live in. And a walk in the garden in the cool of the day sort of relationship with God where he gave him instruction face-to-face that was audible and clear. I can only imagine what it will be like to walk by our Lord's side like Adam and Eve did in the garden. Now, in Act 2 of this grand narrative of God, in, in his word, we see the fall. And all of creation is contaminated with the consequences of human rebellion. It's pretty much summed up in the phrase at the end of Genesis chapter 3, the Lord God banished him. So now the face-to-face walking in the garden in the cool of the day relationship is affected like all of creation is affected. That relationship is contaminated. 
not as it was designed to be. And now there's like a tension that needs to be resolved in the history of mankind. So stay in chapter three to see act three of this grand narrative of God's word, where God announces the resolution to this problem. He will crush sin. And in verse 14, it says he's God is speaking to the serpent when he says, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So God's plan, he will crush sin through the offspring of Eve. And so in this act of the grand narrative, he proceeds in the pages of the Old Testament to choose a people and set up a system to point to his ultimate plan for all people. Okay, so during this time in the Old Testament, we are introduced to Moses and Moses is used by God to save the Hebrew people from bondage. He's, he's a forerunner of types. Uh, um, he's a forerunner to the capital S Savior and serves as an Old Testament mediator between God and the Israelites. Jesus, of course, is our capital S Savior and sits as our mediator. First Timothy chapter 2 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. So throughout the Old Testament, We see God leading and communicating to people like Noah and Abraham, but not in the same way that he did with Moses. And so I love the story in Exodus 33 where Moses asks to see God's glory. You see, uh, Moses has a special relationship with God, but instead of saying, wow, I have a special relationship with God that no one else has and I'm good and being satisfied, he wants more. He wants more of God. And that's how I always want to be. I want to be growing. I want to be never satisfied because there's always more of God to experience. So let's head over to Exodus chapter 33. I want to read a larger chunk there in scripture, although I don't want you to ignore what happens in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 in your personal study. First, I want to start in verse 7 to see the special relationship between Moses and God. In verse 7, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Ah, so here we see the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. I can only imagine. Now, don't get me wrong. I hear the voice of my father through his Holy Spirit that lives in me. I believe that I am a friend of God, but I can only imagine what it would be like to physically walk into a tent where the presence of God would physically meet with you there. So what was that really like? Did he see God in that moment? Does God have a face? Well, we don't know. I mean, I guess that's what I love about this song. It leads us to imagine. I actually call this the Bible interaction tool exercise or bite of meditation because I want you to take some time to think about it. Take some time to imagine. Did Moses see 
a person in that tent? If so, was it what theologians refer to as a Christophany? Meaning Moses got to meet with the Son of God, with Christ, before the Son of God, before Christ came to earth? Well, we know we had a little chat with him on the Mount of Transfiguration when Christ really was on earth. In Matthew 17, we read that Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And in verse 2, it says, There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. <laughs> so maybe it's not beyond the pale that Moses met with Jesus in the tent. And then again on the Mount of Transfiguration. Hey, buddy, it's been a while since I've seen you. Um. And it, I, I, I didn't put this in my notes, but if you keep reading um, in Matthew 17 and think about how the disciples responded to seeing Jesus being transfigured and you'll see uh, they saw him in a new light, so to speak, um, quite literally. And um, you can see how they responded. <laughs> so you can only imagine what, how do you respond when you see, uh, when we see our Lord face to face? That's another example. So other theologians believe that this seeing God face to face with Moses in in Exodus 33 is scripture applying human characteristics to God so that we can sort of understand, but not really. Like I said, it's not tidy. So if left to our own devices to really meditate on scripture, and I hope you do that more than what we're doing here today. What does it really mean to you if I say the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend? If nothing else, it describes an intimacy. It describes an intimacy I want with the Lord. Remember how I said that Moses wanted more? Well, just keep reading in Exodus 33 to explore the time when he asked to see God's glory. Wow, it was a bold move and it's got an interesting result. So we don't have time to explore it today, but keep reading in Exodus 33. We're right there. So let's go back to the grand story, Acts chat, I mean, Act 4, excuse me, of the grand narrative as Jesus steps onto the stage of history, God in human form. Talk about walking with God face to face. I can only imagine. And, and before he, he leaves earth, Christ gives his disciples a charge. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So we are to continue the work that Christ modeled. And Act 5 of the Grand Story is the portion of the story where we find ourselves in. We are witnesses and we are called to make disciples in Act 5 of this grand narrative until the final act, Act 6. And in Act 6, we await the final work of judgment and renewal. You see, we've seen creation. We've seen the fall. We've seen um, redemption, and we await the final restoration of God's creation, which includes that walk in the garden in the cool of the day sort of relationship with him, that face-to-face relationship. And we read all about that in the book of Revelation. And as we come to a close today, I want to explore one more face-to-face experience. And it happened when the Lord gave John the book of Revelation. The experience I'm talking about happens right there at the beginning in chapter one. Let's jump down at verse nine. It says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He was a prisoner uh, banished to an island. Ah, banished. There's our word again. 
On the Lord's Day, verse 10, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. All right, think about this. When you can only imagine, you need to imagine, right? So what does that sound like? A loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. By the way, in my Bible, that's in red letters. So the voice like a trumpet is, a, is credited to Jesus. Verse 12, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. Now here's the part, verse 17. Uh, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Mm, I love that. So John, what it, you, the song says, I can only imagine what it will be like. What will I do when I stand before you? Well, John, he fell at his feet as though dead. <laughs> did he pass out? Did he, did he fall face first in worship? I don't really know. I can only imagine. So whether it was Adam and Eve, Moses, Jesus' disciples and friends, or John seeing into the future, we will see all, we see all sorts of responses to seeing God face to face and gives us some ideas about how we might respond when we take some time to imagine. So what's next? Well, explore scripture on your own. Perhaps you can think of another area of scripture that you would like to explore in this topic of seeing God face to face. There are more. I only scratched the surface. So first read about how God initially created a face-to-face relationship with Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 through 3. And then explore Moses and his relationship with God in all of Exodus, but specifically review what we discussed today in Exodus 33. And then zip over to Revelation chapter 1 to see what type of response we may have to seeing the living one face to face. It doesn't hurt to sit around and imagine spurred on by God's word. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellenizat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellenizat or Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat, And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, theoverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast, but more importantly, pointing them to God's word through music. And when you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at theoverflow.com. And I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Kimberly from Missouri, Sherry from Missouri, and Beverly from Massachusetts. 
welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. And then you will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. In that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can even print it out. You get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes. It's just my way to say thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe directly in iTunes, follow me on Spotify or Stitcher Radio for Android users. And while you're in iTunes, however, would you please leave me a written review and a star rating? I really appreciate it. It encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using When We Pray by Taryn Wells to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 217. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.